Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As a true football fan, you already know just as sure as the seasons change, the Pittsburgh Steelers will find a way to claw their way out of perdition. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't we doing the same? It's almost halfway through the NFL season, and if by almost halfway, I mean I really need to update this copy to say it's past halfway through the NFL season. So now is past the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game, and the good news for you is you still got time with my bookie because it's the premier place to place a bet on all of your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. It. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. Bet against the Bengals. And uh, you, I guess you can't say bet against the Dolphins anymore because they're the winners of two in a row. But either way, you can pick your locks for the week. You can put them together in one parlay bet. And when they all come through, you're banking, baby. If you're tired of watching the games from the couch, get in the game at mybookie.ag. The best part is, if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. That's double your initial deposit so you can use it on all your favorite picks. Use the promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code C-H-A-I-R to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag online today. You play, you win, you get paid. shadows shall spring renewed shall be blade that was broken the crownless again shall be king this recitation by J.R. Tolkien in the Fellowship of the Ring is an apropos description of the 2019 Pittsburgh football Steelers defense like a letter jacket that we once wore proudly in the days of our youth that was relegated to the far recesses of a two crammed closet in the bowels of the basement we retrieve it to summon the memories of past glory. And as we put on that resplendent garment, we unleash the power that has lain dormant, just as the Steelers nation witnesses memory evolving into reality. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's November 11, 2019. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day indeed to me at work in the bowels of the office, as usual, doing a gorilla podcast on Veterans Day. What is that? I thought you were in the heartland. I thought right? of all places, you know, I expect all the public schools in uh, Maryland here in the outskirts of D.C. to be going to school. But 
Not in Texas. Yeah, in Texas, right? Well, the thing is they give us about six weeks off for 4th of July uh, so we can shoot guns and fireworks. So it's a little bit of a different scenario. Right. But alas, we are here on Veterans Day, but I could care less because this was one of the coolest Steeler victories we've watched in a while. And your preamble was incredibly accurate. This was surreal. The Steelers' defense, dare I say, it's back, baby. It was at least back for a night at Heinz Field when, I don't know about you, but you and I were talking about this. This is the most lit the Heinz crowd field has been since maybe like the victory over the Patriots or uh, Christmas Day against the Ravens. But to, to be that excited and that big of a factor in the game against a team you play once every four years. I mean, the Rams only come to town once every eight years. Uh, granted, Aaron Donald, son of Pittsburgh, was there, but the the crowd was incredible. The atmosphere was incredible, and it felt like we were watching a game from, like, I don't want to say Ben's rookie year because there's a little bit more going on there, but it, it felt like old-school Steelers. They, the defense was incredible, and they led the way to a 17-12 victory. Oh, thanks for pulling that out. I fear, felt we buried the lead by not putting up that score. Another really weird score that the Steelers... Well, it's actually 17 isn't weird. 12 is weird. 12 is weird. You put a safety in there, and a lot of people... Several people win a lot of big bets. And by the way, right. we're three for four at my bookie this weekend. I'm starting huh? to get the hang of it. We might oh, end up man. with cash in the bank by the end of the season. Uh, we might we might turn the corner in that de, in that department, but it looks like the Steelmen have turned the corner in another department. I thought, man, I did not feel good about the Steelers winning this game, uh, particularly for one large reason, and that's Sean McVay. And I know Sean McVay, the NFL has caught up to him a little bit since he really took the NFL by storm the first year and a half with the Rams, and I'm sure he'll adjust. But the Steelers have been given trouble by very good offensive coordinators, and. There's so much to talk about with this game, Dad. I, I like don't know where to start, but one thing that maybe we can dive into a little bit later is uh, obviously everybody's really excited today because the Steelers' defense was just objectively phenomenal. But maybe later we can get into talking about how good are they actually because when they played another great offensive coordinator last week with Frank Reich and the Colts, they kind of got the ball moved up and down the field on them at will, if not for... Uh, our Lord and Savior, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, taking a pit six against the Colts, it might have been a totally different story. But this time against the Rams, they just absolutely shut them down. It was 10 points on offense for the Rams, two of 10 on third down. I mean, they were like 0 for 7 at one point, I think. Um, four sacks. This has become commonplace. Uh, with this Steelers defense is the sacks. It's, it's incredible. It's been sustained over the past few years. And this year it's being really backed up um, against all the, all the teams granted the Rams do have a very lackluster offensive line. We'll get into that later. Um, and also two interceptions and Oh yeah. A Minka Fitzpatrick touchdown on defense, which hey, now is a weekly occurrence. Not to nitpick, but you know, the, the Steeler defense really only let up three points. I mean, there was a return of the, the fumble and the safety, which you really you have to attribute that to the offense. Oh, you're Checking right. my math. I don't know. I don't know why I had 10 points there. They let up three points, and, and 
the Rams didn't really even move the ball. The, the only times they moved the ball, the Steelers would take it away or for, or, or make them turn it over on down. So yeah, it was, it was incredible. And you can say what you want about the Rams. I think that they're a little bit above the middle of the pack right now in, in, in offense, despite the reputation, but they certainly aren't cellar dwellers. And we definitely haven't seen the Steelers uh, be able to do this against really any team, except for maybe some of the worst of the worst, like the Deshaun Kaiser Brown. So this is for real. Now, I think where I want to start with just defensively is the Steelers defense. They have built a squad with legit superstars on here. I have a little tearing. Look at the players on this defense. You have three players on this defense right now who are bona fide superstars. TJ Watt, at this point, he's a top five edge rusher in the NFL. He's tied for third in the NFL with sacks with 9.5. That doesn't count all the holding calls that have, have prevented him from getting sacks. And, and I'm sure the same is true for some of the other league leaders with the holding calls. But every fourth quarter, every big situation, TJ Watt is getting a sack and then seemingly drawing a hold for another loss on the play after that. He's incredible. Minka Fitzpatrick, we will probably spend the next 40 minutes of the podcast talking about him. But yeah, he's pretty much mean Joe Green and Troy Palomalu rolled into one, if you ask Steelers Nation at this moment. But he, it's obvious what an enormous impact this dude has had on the defense. And Cameron Hayward is a top five defensive lineman in the league. And that's not black and gold glasses. That's not Pittsburgh talking. This dude is dominating. Every team he plays, he's got the numbers to show for it. I think, what, did he move into eighth all-time on the Steelers' sack list or something like that? Um, uh, he's seventh. Seventh. Yeah. The, the quietest career. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, Pittsburgh, we know how to appreciate him. But all I'm saying is you got three bona fide real superstars like that. And you and I talked about that before the season. We're encouraged about the defense because they finally have players who are at least competent at every position. Whereas in years past, you had a Bostic or a Matikavich starting or a Burnett or, you know, a, a rookie Edmonds or Antoine Blake or somebody on the field who just did not belong on the field, Artie Burns, whatever. Well, we were excited preseason because they actually had guys who all belonged on the field. But we wanted to know if the guys who are on the rise, are they going to make the turn from stars into superstars? And that has happened. And you look right beneath them and you have a a category that I call star players right below the superstars. That's Hargrave, who was unblockable on Sunday. Bud Dupree, that's the big one that nobody predicted. We we I'll defend us, by the way. We did say he should have the best year of his career this year because the injuries have played a big part. And he actually took a big step forward last year before the injury. But I don't think anybody predicted him being a bona fide star. Captain Mayhem. Captain Mayhem. I mean, he's probably a top 15 edge player in this league. And especially when you're um, pairing him with TJ Watt, he's incredible. And Steven Nelson has been incredible. And Devin Bush hasn't even scratched the surface of what he's going to be with the Steelers. And he's already playing great, still leading the league in tackles for a rookie. And one of his best games was also um, on, on, on Sunday. And, and I can keep going down the list. You have Hayden had his best game of the season. Vince is fantastic. Like Vince has been playing well for the Steelers for the past few years. But as we said, he, he has a ceiling. He's not, he doesn't have the athleticism of a Shazier or a Bush or someone like that. But now that he's a role player in the defense and he's, he's got the smarts, he's got the intelligence. He's incredibly tough. He knows how to read plays. He's thriving along with Hilton and Sutton who are beasts. So you just look, I'm naming the entire starting defense. They got players everywhere and that's where i think it starts with the steelers because they physically overwhelmed the rams on sunday 
Yeah, so I'm looking through this list. I'm classifying them in a little different way. I mean, the good news is you have these, I'll call them underclassmen. What? Fitzpatrick, I guess we could put Bush in there. Um, Hilton and Sutton. Well, I guess then we have the next tier. You have Hilton, Sutton, and Williams. And then you have two guys that really depress me, Bud and Hayward. I'm not Hayward, but um, Javon Hargrave. Yeah. I mean, they are... They're having contract years. I mean, the loss of Tuit, I mean, I'm pleasantly yeah, surprised. I wouldn't say we haven't missed him because I'm sure we'd have been that much better with him. But Hargrave has, has filled in, and we really haven't missed a beat at least. And, totally. And if you're to believe common knowledge, uh, Hargrave's gone this year. But like we said last year, we were pleasantly surprised that we were able to hang on to the big rag goo. Yeah, they find a way of keeping their guys. Like they, they, they almost never lose their their big players. Obviously, you've lost Woodson back in the day, and 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 um, and Thor <laughs> left as well. With and then the Brown and Bell things, we've talked about that. Those are weird extenuating circumstances. I have a feeling they're going to keep one of them, and I have a feeling it's going to be Bud. But you're right. Watch the game, you guys. Even if you watch the highlights, you don't need to watch the All-22 to see how good Hargrave is. If you find 79, the little bowling ball, he's pushing his guy into the backfield every play. That fumble that Minka returned for a touchdown, that was Hargrave just blowing his guy up and and basically sitting in the lap or sitting on the face of Jared Goff. And and you get Hargrave sitting on your face. You're fumbling, buddy. I don't (laughs) care. Come, Come hell or high water, the ball's coming out. But, yeah, it's just incredible. So that, that was the first thing I wrote about the game, the thing that stood out. Obviously, we have to give Keith Butler and Mike Tomlin credit. They didn't get abused by um, McVay. But I really do just think it starts with you have young superstars. You know, Hayden's getting towards the end of his career here, but that was maybe his best game as a Steeler. He had like three or four pass deflections. He had five. Another assist. He had five. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats. He had five and, passes and they, defended. And they were real. Forced they were like, fumble, Yeah. They were like diving, inter- like breakups for first downs. Obviously, the game-winning interception that Minka had. Yeah, he was incredible. And and, and um, Hayward and it, and isn't quite at the end of his career. Right. What's that? And his interception. Oh, and, the, and the interception, which was beautiful. That's the jump man. Yeah. That, Hayden's the only one on the team who can really do that. I'm sure Minka could do it, but... Uh, yeah, Hayden got up for that one. It was a thing of beauty. I love seeing him get the pick. And so I don't know about you. We might as well just get this over with right away. Is there just a level of depression in the back of your mind, like my mind, just thinking, why did Ben have to get hurt this year? Nah, I don't think about it. I look in the windshield, honestly. Mr. Positive. Yeah, well, there's, you know, at least it leans to gloom and doom. There's enough of that in life. I'm still riding high on this win. It's, you know what, finding a a way to win, even with a, uh, even with a quarterback who's still learning and one you're not convinced has the tools to go any further. He's already sort of. Well, not not, not, not any further. I just think there's a ceiling. He's obviously getting, getting further. Yeah. So, um, if I just have some other statistics that describe this defense, we are check this out. 12 force fumble, 12 fumble recoveries, 14 interceptions, putting us second behind the Patriots in terms of turnovers. The, I went we back, played real teams. We played real teams. I went back over the last decade. And if you look at the numbers, the last time we exceeded 26 turnovers was in 2015 when we had 30. It's a year Mike mm. Mitchell had three interceptions. Before that, in 2010, 
we had 35. That's the year Troy had seven interceptions. But let me point something out. That 30 and that 35 were done over the course of a whole season. We're 26, right. a little over halfway. Yeah, they're breaking that record. So the Steelers are number one in quarterback pressures and number one in sacks with 33. And as you pointed out, Cam Hayward has now attained the position of seventh in the all-time list for the Steelers. This is really uh, interesting to me. You know, our week under Billy Belly is the middle of the season, middle of the field, field, right? And we're wondering why the Chargers didn't take advantage of it the way the Colts did. I'm still wondering the, that. Uh, and we'll wait till the, the old 22 comes. The Rams, sorry. But we are, in terms of yards after catch, we're number four in the league in a mm. positive sense where we're allowing the fourth fewest number of yards after catch. We're not seeing any of those extensions where guys are doing a drag across the middle of the field and going 40 yards. It's proving that you know we can now tackle. Remember how we used to complain yeah. constantly about the lack of tackling? It still happens, but it happens for every team, and it happens for a reason. These runners right. know how to go. They don't you know, necessarily are, are wrapping up, but mm-hmm. I, I view that as a huge positive sign. Definitely. And, and a lot of that is is because you have the players who are fast enough and can change direction well enough to actually stay with their receiver. So you're going to get catches. The NFL rules are designed for you to get catches. But if you can break up at the make the catches as difficult on the opposing team as possible or you can tackle them right when you get it, that's how you can you know live to fight another day. And they definitely do that. So. Yeah, I think uh, the statistics are out of the roof, and and what you're mentioning about the turnover rate leads nicely into sort of what I was talking about, the depression of Ben not being there, because I'm with you. It's like I I am thinking of that, of course, because you really – hey, we said this before the season when there were people saying it was so doom and gloom because AB was gone. We said it's going to it's gonna make a big difference and it's going to be hard. But there is reason to believe that the Steelers have a very good team even without him and should be in Super Bowl contention again. And what you and I were saying was like, that doesn't mean because Brown is gone. Like if Brown was there, then you'd be a, a Super Bowl favorite, right? And, and Ben, obviously. But now it's looking like the team is is looking like the best iteration of what we thought the potential was in in the summer. Um, so while it is a bummer that Ben's not here, and I don't, you know, believe in the capacity for like a Super Bowl run this year, that doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying it so intensely while it's happening and today after the fact because i i'm curious to see how far this team can go the schedule is very manageable you know with two games against the browns and the bills we're not gonna go through that we did that last week but jets and then the ravens were obviously beatable as well uh the steelers should have done it the last time but i i just love seeing what this team is accomplishing and the fact that like you mentioned so many of these guys are underclassmen if you will turnovers are difficult like because here's what I'm thinking. We finally have this defense. Is it going to be good next year when Ben comes back? Because if it is, and Ben is even 75% of himself, God forbid, let's hope for 100, then you have a a great team. Now, do I think that they're going to have these turnover numbers again next year? I think that turnovers, uh, historically, they there's an element of luck that's involved with them, so it kind of regresses to the mean sort of year to year, but that doesn't mean the quality of the defense has to go down like maybe they get even more sacks next year or maybe they force even more incompletions next year things that aren't showing up on the stat sheet the same way bottom line is it's a young defense with a lot of good players who have also you made this point to me earlier on the phone they've also played together for a long time 
That's what they have up in New England. Continuity is so important on defense. So I'm enjoying just watching the growth of this team because I think there's every reason to believe even if they don't have 50 turnovers next year, they're still going to be a great defense. Is your point that the Steelers haven't played that played together that long? They have so many my, new pieces. My point is that they have. So that's well, a lot to be excited about. It's like I'm looking like, oh, it's the perfect year where everything's falling together and they're getting all the turnovers because even great defenses don't always get the highest amount of turnovers in the league because there is an element of luck. You're going to get a, a bunch if you're a good defense, but having this rate that they're having right now is pretty insane. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to be an incredible defense. There's even thought to believe they could be they could have lower turnover numbers next year but be even better. But uh, I, I don't want to get too far into the – to the the windshield here but it is something to think about and it's just uh yeah you gotta it it took them damn long enough but they've built a a good defense it looks like so the question is what of keith butler this is making him look good you and i have been arguing we went we're in a very long line of people who would argue keith butler needs to go but the the defense is playing and you made an argument when we were uh driving to work today that this is solidifying a guy's job who really should be gone anyway. Yeah. I got to tell you how much, you know, how much of this is poor coaching versus he didn't have the, the talent on the team before, as you were pointing out, we're faster now. I mean, how many coaches can tackle? None of them. Part of this is, I mean, are they really teaching bad technique? That's hard to believe. I think he has the pieces. Well, I think that right now, if you can't succeed with this defense, with eight first round picks, a top 10, a couple top 10 picks, and just an absolutely laughable amount of talent, then you are probably comatose. And so I'm not going to take all the, the, the credit away from him. But a lot of the reason for missed tackles and, and things like that is because people are out of position because you don't know how to coach people and we get abused. And that's why people are wide open all the time. They've had talent on the defense before. Now they just have overwhelming talent. It's like they've had talented offenses before, but you don't luck out into that offensive line with Roethlisberger, Bryant, Brown, and Bell. I mean, that was ridiculous when Juju's the third receiver and Vance McDonald's the sixth option. Like that's a, an, an unreal real amount of talent and that's kind of what they're looking at right now on the defensive side so my opinion with Keith Butler is you have to give them credit because they've definitely improved and he's improved but I've seen this for six or seven years and I think that there's a lot of people who could do what he's doing with this defense right now and I think he's doing a good job but I don't think it's because wow look at the scheme that they get they confuse them so thoroughly like when you play the Patriots or the Ravens no matter who they cycle through on defense the Ravens have a good de- have a good team right so I'm just a little bit worried ahead of time. I know a lot of these thoughts are me thinking way too ahead in the future, but I'm worried that they could let Butler be the good, be the enemy of great. Like imagine if you could get a guy and who knows if there's even anyone available, but if you could get a guy who could take that talent and then you don't worry when you play the Patriots or the saints or, you know, the, the, the Colts, but I do have to give them credit. They did a good job against the Rams and, and the Rams hadn't scored a touchdown in like 14 drives before they played the Steelers. So it's not the Rams from that Kansas City shootout game, uh, you know, a year ago. They're not the juggernaut they were, but they're still good. And so I have to give them credit. And uh, but I, I, I doubt that at this rate they're going to let him go. Looking at the other, looking at the other side of the ball, this uh, this was Mason Rudolph's best game. I mean, he's For not. Sure. Uh, this doesn't make him a top tier, but. I'm looking at the next-gen charts. He was throwing downfield. He wasn't held by his receivers. We'll come to that in a second. Definitely. Um, 
there was still a ton behind the the line of scrimmage, and he does he isn't that good when he's not when he's not plant his feet aren't planted and he doesn't get a chance yeah. to like swivel into the throw. But more balls thrown downfield. I'll note that his completion percentage was the worst of the season at fifty seven percent. But again, there were five drop balls that that puts him firmly in the high sixties. And five drop balls that were, had no business being dropped, too. I mean, those were perfect throws, too. So he, we're not being too nitpicky here. Everyone gets some drop balls every every game. But, yeah, those were got to have them for the Steelers receivers. Yeah, so as we were pointing out, you made this uh, note. He's still throwing lollipops into the middle. He's still not firing the ball every time. Some of those off, you know, some of those balls were catchable. They just weren't completely on target. Yeah, and he gets people laid out. So here's I'm just going to go through this because I feel like I'm harping on him too much the past few weeks. I got I, like let's the guy is hasn't even played a full NFL season and he is improving slowly but surely game by game. So I'm just going to go through my bullet points real quick. We basically said that he threw a few more balls downfield, and I'm not talking about throwing go balls. Like anyone can throw a, a, a run straight, and let's just diagram this up against the Dolphins because the Dolphins aren't starting any NFL quarter cornerbacks. So we're going to throw a bunch of go routes. No, he. Was throwing deep digs. That throw that he made to Washington on that 40, 50 yard catch and run where Washington fumbled at the end, that was like, finally, thank you. That's where you're throwing the ball on a frozen rope 30 yards in the air to, to a soft part of the defense, and you're challenging them and you're making them think about it. And then if you're hitting throws like that over the middle of the field, deep in the center, that makes the linebackers for the other team have to make sure that they get depth on their drops they have to drop back and that opens up the the lower part of the field until this point the linebackers don't have to worry about getting too deep and they're able to support against the run and all those short passes because there's no threat of the pass so Rudolph threw some more of those type of deep intermediate throws that I really liked I I said his go-ahead field goal drive to end the fourth quarter that was ballsy I, I think He's he's shown poise and his ability to respond to adversity pretty much at every step of the way. So credit for that again. But just, yeah, those issues with the lollipops to the middle of the field. And it's always on the throws that are like either the curl routes to Juju when Juju's surrounded by three guys. And Juju needs to come down with these. That's two drops on curls in two weeks. But it is a little like you got to get the ball to him quick. He has three guys around him that want to knock his head off. You can't lob it to him. You have to gun it in there. But the worst ones are when the pocket is collapsing on him and he just kind of stands there. And there are moments where he's done a great job of moving up in the pocket. But when the center or the guards get pushed back into him, he kind of just keeps his feet flat footed. And there was one he threw in particular, actually to Vance. I mean, he got Vance or Vanette laid out on the first play. Cause one of these things where he tries to just use all arm, he doesn't mm-hmm. rotate his torso enough he doesn't get his legs into it and the ball just flutters to a guy five yards past the line of scrimmage who inevitably either the ball gets batted away or he gets annihilated by a linebacker because it takes too long to get there there was one where vance caught it over the middle and he actually broke a couple tackles and ran for an eight yard gain in like the fourth quarter but that one was terrifying if you watch the replay his legs aren't underneath of him mason rudolph and he throws it it's a duck it's like end over end of vance just hanging in the middle of the field for three seconds so that's something it's never gonna change because you just your arm's not gonna get that much stronger but if he can avoid avoid doing that by making quicker decisions that's something that i think i can see improving and so just moving down the rest of my my list here he also has the same issue of he sort of sails a lot of passes that are past 10 yards 
that again that goes into not having the ideal pocket conditions he makes a lot of those throws high where the one Deontay Johnson dropped he should have caught but again it's high he overthrew Washington on a couple it's a little high um, the touchdown pass was gorgeous that was an NFL type of play back shoulder type of thing he took another safety for the second week in a row but we can't really put that on him Tomlin admitted in his press conference that he actually called that play, and that's all on Tomlin. Because if you're going to throw out of your end zone, fine. We've seen Ben do it so much with so much success over the years, but that's just a three-step drop and throw the ball deep. This is like Tomlin called a play-action, long-developing play against Aaron Donald and co. So Mason didn't really have any chance to uh, really avoid that. And then the last thing I'll say is that it was – it was a quantifiable improvement. Now the offense is still totally dink and dunk. When you rewatch the game, it really is a ton of little screens and dingers and dunkers and the coaches don't trust them to win the game. So there's another second week in a row when the Steelers offense gets the ball back with the lead with like two minutes left and the Steelers offense, the Steelers coaches call three run plays in a row, a minute and a half. <laughs> yeah and the, and then they didn't even waste 20 like 15 seconds it was like a 10 second drive and yeah. and honestly it probably was the right decision from the coach like i i get torn thinking like should you be shouldn't you be more aggressive well if ben was in there we'd be furious because this guy's you know he's he's played a million games you need to let him throw and win the game that's your highest paid best player with mason hopefully we see him get to that point but you have to think you know that, that does have to improve at some point. So we can be critical of Mason. We can also be realistic, saying this guy's barely played any games. And hopefully we see some more improvements. We saw some, but it's, it's got to keep moving up. I disagree on that last series. We, we, weren't, we weren't getting two yards of carry. So you would have rather let him throw it? Yeah. But what really – he wasn't consistently completing passes by any means. Well, I throw back at you. We're not consistently running the ball either. It was a disaster. And then – Yeah, so but then you have just, to force them to use their timeouts. And then keep in mind they're up by five. So it's not like we're up by three. The, the goal is, hey, we're going to run three times in a row and make you have to do a one-minute and 19-second touchdown drive not a field goal drive but a touchdown drive with no timeouts and by the way you haven't even gotten to the 20-yard line the entire day touche but it's still but i'm still with you though it's frustrating when you see it so hopefully the offense can start complimenting the defense a little bit more and there's reason to believe they will because the young receivers they giveth and they take it away they had some major blunders but they had some majorly exciting plays as well so this is where i don't know if anybody on the uh listening to the podcast has, has ever heard of the keystone cops but that is what the music you hear sort of my Royalty-free license for this music in the background. <laughs> when you when you count up the airs, Washington drop, Johnson drop, Juju drop, Samuels drop. Um, the fumble, Vance, the Washington fumble. Vance fumbled, Juju Vance. recovered it. Yeah, so that, that was just uh, something in the water because that was not uh, – yeah. we're not even just talking all rookies here. 
Well, annoying. a lot of those guys are young. And the funniest thing is Juju's the, like the youngest of all of them, right? It's a child. But um, all I'm going to say is I'm throwing those out the window. I think that was these guys haven't had a chance to run with the ball in the open field the entire year because, you know, we're trying to develop a young quarterback and, and he's doing that. But now they're so excited that they're getting to actually run in the open field with grass. They're learning, oh, this is in Oklahoma State. Not only are these defenders all fast, faster than me or as fast as me. And when they tackle me, they try to strip it. Like in college, they'll just tackle you in the NFL. They're going to try and strip it and then tackle you. It's a whole nother level. And then with the punt return from Deontay Johnson, where he's scampering around like a spider monkey, using his, his hand to balance on the ground and stuff. He's just going to learn, dude, you got to admit defeat after the first one. And those are learning curves. Those are fixable. What I was excited about was how freaking good they looked because Washington, perhaps his best game. Unfortunately, he soiled that awesome play in the middle of the field. But here's the thing about Washington and Deontay. They look as advertised. This isn't random plays that we're seeing. We're seeing Washington look the way he looked in the preseason, the type of catches he's making. That touchdown catch, that was why they drafted him. That was gorgeous, a 180 spinning back shoulder vice grip type of catch that he had to score a touchdown in the back of the end zone. He had he had a couple nice ones, right? Um, but it, he just looks great. That's what we thought Washington would look like. And Johnson, he's probably the best open field runner we've had since you know who. That that drag, he's catching these drag routes and turning them into huge plays. So now Juju is not the only person who can run that drag and cross or cross routes. You have options for these guys. And Johnson, he's just so dynamic in the open field. And these guys are really starting to play their positions well and just make huge plays in the passing game. Now that they're finally getting some of the opportunities and they got more opportunities than they're used to. So I think they had some welcome to the NFL moments, but there's some, some reason to believe that they're starting to get a rolling with Mason Rudolph a little bit. Mike Tomlin wins a challenge. He did. It doesn't doesn't (laughs) matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what you see on the camera. He was cursed until this game. I wonder if this is a big uh, inflection point for Mike. Well, it's unfortunate that the Steelers weren't able to recover that one, but hey, he won it because he 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 won two. What was it like three weeks ago, where he actually won like two of them, and then he had the worst two challenges of his career in a minute span against the Colts. So we're gonna give him some credit for recovering. But let's talk about Tomlin because and maybe we did bury the lead a little bit. Maybe we should have talked about this a little bit earlier. But this is what Twitter's talking about today. There are a couple camps on Mike Tomlin. There's one camp that says. He deserves, you know what? There's actually a surprising amount of people saying this, saying that, um, listen, I was saying we should have fired him when we were 0-3. But now I think he's the coach of the year, and the NFL really needs to put serious consideration to that. And I love that take. That's hilarious. Like, I get your broader point is you were blaming him when they were bad and he deserved a lot of blame and you're giving him credit for doing well right now. But going from firing to coach of the year, you know, that, that could be a little dramatic, right? And then there's another crowd that says, I don't care that they've won five in a row. He still sucks. Fire Tomlin. And then there's a, a third crowd that says, this is who he's been the entire time. He's a great coach. He's making the best of what he had. He had to overcome a quarterback being injured. And the truth is everything is right. And I think you and I say this almost every week. He is who he is. It's been 10 years of this. He is one of 
the greatest motivators as a head coach in all of the NFL, if not sports. People love playing for him. He has adjusted to new player styles and the personalities of the millennials, whatever you want to say, from era to era. He's been able to transcend that. And it seems like he's the best when the odds are against the Steelers. And that's why it's frustrating because he also equally consistently is like screws it up when they when they should win games and they lose games to teams that they shouldn't when their team is actually good and we're overly talented and the thing is he does not offer really any schematical advantages he constantly butchers time management situations at the ends of games and all those things are true right that's why i think that's why he's winning super bowls when you combine him with some schematic masters like dick lebeau in his prime and and, uh, you know, Arians or even even Haley had a moment there and Feetner when he has been. When you combine him with other people, you know, I do think that he's still one of the one of the best coaches. But, uh, you know, he is who he is. I, I, I think that he's done a great job and he deserves a lot of credit for helping turning this team around. And I think that they deserve some of the blame for some of the losses. I don't know what's so complicated about that. Well, I guess this is a little schizophrenic. We were complaining. I was complaining about the conservatism at the end of the game. But, um, you know, that play, it was fourth and one. About yeah. nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It, right. Uh, at, at R34, and we went for it. And, again, Zach Banner had reported eligible, which I believe is the key to the play. And <laughs> Mason hit, uh, hit Trey Edmonds and uh, gained six yards, got the first down, and we ended up getting a field goal out of that drive. I, lo- I like it. That one, I it's so funny because it worked, but I would say like I didn't, I didn't love that one because I was terrified that in this particular game, like I'd said earlier, they hadn't even gotten the ball to the like the twenty yard line of the Steelers, and you were gonna let them out of jail free because if you didn't get that first down, which they did, and it was very ugly. Somebody must have run the wrong route because it was I don't know if it's Vinette, but he was running right next to. Edmonds out in the flat so somebody's not spacing correctly it was the goofiest conversion they got it done but I sort of felt like at that moment like these guys haven't even been able to drive the ball like 30 yards just punt it if you're going to give them the ball around 30 I don't love it but hey it worked it's very Mike Tomlin-y that's actually some of the stuff I have a problem with which is the sometimes I just go by the gut so one year I'm just going to go for two completely randomly based off of nothing whether I feel like it or not and then I'm going to say this is the way we are and then we're never going to do it again after that year stuck with that right but i don't uh so you know what what did i want to say here oh so there was a big uh twitter dust up that i was having with some people trying to be a nice guy people get their feelings hurt very easily on twitter and it's interesting because um somebody made a comment on um alex kazora from steelers depot he wrote an article praising mike tomlin that he should be given credit for this turnaround and the article was more nuanced than that. It, it does say, hey, he also you know, deserves blame. And like you and I have always said, he deserves credit for – go – these people, like, he deserves – they say, oh, he's carried by his talent. Who picks that talent? Who picks and develops that talent? It's Kevin Colbert. Mike Tomlin doesn't have anything to do with that. You're empirically wrong or you're willfully dumb, and you should be taken out – onto the riverbank and shot in the head because there's an overpopulation problem. And if you're not going to be open to facts, you got to go. You're there's able to hold it together on Twitter streets. all those hours. And it just is pouring <laughs> out now and you're reversing. So here's the thing. So somebody tried to argue that 
Because uh, like, Zora was pointing out he deserves credit for this. The defense looks great. And this guy said, if Mika Fitzpatrick wasn't here, then the defense would just be subpar at best. And I responded, try to be nice, saying, well, you know, one of the biggest reasons why Mika Fitzpatrick is here is Mike Tomlin brought him here along with the rest of the team. Duh. Right. But somebody tried to respond. Let me let me read this because this is this is genius comment by this person. Let's see. I'm not even going to say his name. Oh, this is good. Uh, he said, LOL, Tomlin didn't trade anything with a hand to the face emoji. He's not the GM and doesn't have a say. You, sir, are awarded no points. You have made all of us in the room dumber just by speaking out loud. May God have mercy on your soul. LOL, Tomlin didn't trade anything. He's not the GM and doesn't have a say. I guess, so what happened is Kevin Colbert called Tomlin up on Monday morning and said, hey, have you ever heard of Minka Fitzpatrick? Tomlin said, no, no, who's that? And Colbert said, yeah, well, I just traded our first first round pick in 100 years to acquire this guy. We don't have a first round pick anymore, and you find a way to integrate him on your defense because I'm Kevin Colbert, and I've made all the decisions uh, personnel-wise for you know forever. And Tomlin, you don't know anything. This person, they work together. This is common knowledge. If you don't know this, then I don't know what to tell you. The coach in Pittsburgh works with the GM to get the players there. Tomlin was at Minka Fitzpatrick's pro day. He has talked at length about how they interviewed him and, and kept tabs on him, even telling him during the draft process, we know that we have no chance of getting you, but we just want to be thorough in this. Um, quoted a tweet from Colin Dunlap saying, I'm told Steelers pro scouting coordinator Brandon Hunt was most responsible for Minka Fitzpatrick trade. He scouted him meticulously and was adamant with Steelers decision makers Fitzpatrick was worth a high cost because you could immediately learn intricate Steelers defense. And I responded just saying, hey, I was just addressing the fact that you said Tomlin had absolutely nothing to do with this trade. But thank you for letting me know. <laughs> that the pro scouting director had something to do with the scouting of a player, sir. May God have mercy on your soul. So the fact that they brought Minka in and made such an aggressive uh, against the franchise's type of mold decision to trade a first-round pick, you have to give him some credit for that, okay? I'm not saying he's Bill Belichick, but I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. He does some things well. He does some things bad. And as you mentioned, he is a master motivator. He knows how to, and he's evolving. He's able to get to lead, manage, motivate millennials. And I wonder if he has a little, maybe he has a present he's going to give to the players for Christmas, put it in their stocking. I don't know how playoff beards work in the NFL, but if they're anything like the NHL, they won't have a need for this product but I think everybody else does, because if you got some manscaped thrown into your stocking, you'd be in luck with the ladies or, or whatever you do. Support for armchair comes from Manscaped, who's number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Hey, you guys, <laughs> you only get one pair, all right? You can't damage the merchandise. There's no return on the merchandise. So here's some merchandise to make sure that you don't damage the jewels. This stuff's amazing. Manscaped, it's good for cleaning it up down there, people. All right? You've, you've, you've been there. We're all, you know, there's going to be generations after us who didn't know anything 
before manscapes they're going to say oh why would you worry about about nicking yourself or injuring yourself or basically prematuring prematurely ending your usefulness as a human on this planet well some of us had to go down there with a chisel and a rock and some other things well you don't have to do that anymore because manscape they've got this crop preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant moisturizer don't worry about that you already put deodorant on your armpits why are not putting deodorant on this whoa dude this is this is a very presumptuous ad copy but either way you get what i'm saying you got a manscape it's 2019 it's gonna be 2020 soon be a modern man be a freaking gentleman and and manscape safely because these tools ensure that you won't mess it up so use the promo code armchair at manscape.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping on your first order with the code armchair at manscaped.com all right, we said we weren't going to spend a lot of time on this, but this victory elevates the, I'd say, positive nature of the next series of games. So the Steelers will play the Browns, I think, uh, at home, right? Browns, No, Bengals, it's in Cleveland. In Cleveland. Browns, Bengals, Browns, followed by Cardinals, Bills, Jets. We, we don't win all of these, but we can win, we can win all of these. But winning a lot of them because now we have the Ravens who are up against the Texans, Rams, 49ers, then they get mm-hmm. the Bills and the Jets. I mean, this is a this is a an opportunity to pull even with the Ravens. It's real. And so we've been thinking about this Browns game since before the season, since all this Odell stuff. And my stance was always I think the Steelers probably split with the Browns, but then the Browns came out of the gate and they've been pretty terrible. They they kind of avenged themselves a little bit. Um by beating, by squeaking out a, a very ugly victory against the Bills, but still a victory all the same. And, and at this point where they're at in their growth and development, you can't wait the victories. That's just a positive for them. And I, I, I have a couple thoughts. Right now, I feel like this is prime time for a Steelers letdown. You have two upset wins, huge, high-profile wins that you just secured in Pittsburgh. This is the perfect time to play down to the level of your opponent if we've watched the Steelers play enough. But... I sort of think that they might be okay this week. Not only do they, not only are they just a better team than the Browns this year, but I think the Steelers have probably since the summertime been focused in on, oh, the Browns, you guys are going to hype the Browns up. Oh, the Steelers are done. The Ravens are done. It's Browns time now. Getting so much attention. Baker Mayfield getting more commercials than Tom Brady getting. I think the Steelers have had this game circled on their calendar for a long time. Cleveland, I don't know how their crowd's going to respond, but I assume that 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 victory against Buffalo helped them s- sort of retain some life here. I can't imagine Cleveland being much more excited for a game in the last 20 years than this game, the first time where they really have a chance to beat the Steelers in Cleveland in prime time and make it happen. But I think that the level of, of the high-profile nature of this game, that plays into the Steelers' hand a little bit. Here's why the Steelers don't look past the Browns. Ben Roethlisberger is not playing in this game. I think everybody realizes they cannot sit on their laurels. The offense is, is not producing points, and the defense is going to have to step up again. And, you know, if the offense was a person and the defense was a person, the defense was sick for a long time. And the <laughs> offense nursed it. And this is the time for the defense to pay that, that time back. So I, it's hard for me to believe that you figure that they own the Browns right. are going to look past them. Right. I agree. And, and I think that as a Steelers fan, that's a, 
it's a very valid point to talk about because we've seen it so much through this era and the Mike Tomlin era in, in specific. The good news is it sounds like James Conner is going to play and Ramon Foster almost, uh, uh, he might be able to play as well, which kicks Finney back out or excuse me, Filer back out to tackle and Foster comes back to guard and you have your starting line, which is going to be very necessary because Garrett has absolutely terrorize the Steelers in the last two matchups against them. So you're going to need to do everything you can to stop him, but you will have some chances to go downfield with the ball. I'm looking forward to that. Obviously the Odell Beckham jr. And Landry connection has not been anywhere near what we thought it would be, but Kareem hunt just came back from them this week and they have Nick Chubb and they should be able to run the ball. They haven't been able to, freaking figure anything out but you feel like if the browns are going to be up for any game this year it's going to be this game but i also feel like the steelers have it marked equally so if you're just looking across the board the browns have big time issues on the offensive line any team the steelers have faced this year who have had offensive line issues including the los angeles rams they have crumbled so that is really the matchup we are going to be looking at can the steelers make sure that miles garrett doesn't wreck the game And will the Browns be able to handle the Steelers' defensive front? And I don't think that they can. The Steelers have absolutely dominated teams with questionable lines, and they're going into Cleveland with a team with a very questionable one. Yeah, and look what happened to Aaron Donald this game. I mean, he got a sack, he got a couple of tackles Mm -hmm. for losses, but he did not dominate. Now, I know we had three guys on him in every single play. So uh, the Steelers can play that same strategy. The Steelers have done well, by the way, over the years – against like singularly dominant players like Von Miller that the year, the Super Bowl, he didn't have a single sack. He had two total tackles in two games against the Steelers during his, you know, like MVP ish year, JJ Watt, same thing. He's never terrorized them. And miles Garrett in the first game of last year, that was the real one time where I was like, damn, this guy just, he just ruined the whole game for the Steelers. So hopefully they can do a better job against him and they'll have their full complement of weapons uh, ready to do so. So I'm excited to see the game. Uh, If the Steelers can win this, wow, they are really, they're for real. Ripping and tearing. Congratulations, Steelers Nation. Unfortunately, we have another night game, right? It's Thursday night. Yeah. All right. We'd like to hear from you guys. Please hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Send us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu.
www.edu/podcast